I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fit the Mission. A big decision was made last week in San Francisco. It's been a debate that's transfixed the city, and it's over a parking lot just down the street from, well, from Fit the Mission, the Chronicle building. 469 Stevenson, a 28,000-square-foot lot just off the corner of 6 and Market. Nordstrom owns it and uses it for valet parking, and developers had the idea to turn it into a residential high-rise with nearly 500 units. It was a response to the city's long-standing housing crisis. Many city residents supported the project in last Tuesday's Board of Supervisors meeting. I'd like my kids as well as others, including those yet to arrive, to be able to make a life in SF as well. To do that, we need to create more housing, a a lot more housing. We need something to live, and that's why we need housing for the people and better of the community. For the better life, we need housing. But others were worried about another longstanding San Francisco issue, gentrification. South of Market is also the site of San Francisco's Filipino Cultural Heritage District, an area where Filipinos have been struggling to maintain their cultural legacy for generations. Groups like Soma Pilipinas urge the Board of Supervisors to kill the project. How many more Filipino families can we stand to lose in the South of Market in San Francisco? These market rate units are not meant for low-income and working-class people of color. It's clear that the city's displacement and housing affordability crisis isn't going to be addressed by building even more unaffordable luxury units. The building had already been approved by the Planning Commission, but San Francisco supervisors overturned the approval in an 8-3 to vote, essentially ordering city planners to go back to the drawing board. But the Stevenson Street parking lot highlights more than just the age-old debate over development and gentrification. It's also about, you guessed it, San Francisco politics. And now the state of California is investigating San Francisco's decision to abandon an idea that would have created 500 new homes in the city. Here to explain it all is Chronicle reporter J.K. Deneen. J.K., thank you for joining me on Fifth and Mission. Thanks for having me. So let's get into it. What were the main reasons that San Francisco Board of Supervisors outlined for upholding the appeal of the building complex on Stevenson Street? The the main reasons um, under CEQA, under state environmental law, you have to stick to things that are studied in terms of what the environmental impact is of the project. And so um, Supervisors Hillary Ronan and, and Aaron Peskin and some of the others said that uh, they felt that the EIR didn't adequately um, address issues like the foundation of the building, you know, how deep the piles would be, whether they would reach bedrock. They cited the Millennium Tower um, at First and Mission, which, is, which has been sinking and is costing a lot of money to fix now, $100 million fix. They cited the, the condo building that collapsed in Florida, killing almost 100 people. And so those were the 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 issues as far as CEQA. Um, and then there were other issues that really aren't part of CEQA that they brought up. What were those other concerns? Several of the board members uh, felt that the project didn't include enough affordable housing. That was probably the main one, um, you know, that, that a market rate project on 6th Street, which is a home to dozens of residential hotels, as well as senior housing complexes, and is really the heart of what was once a major Filipino neighborhood. It's kind of the, the remnants are, are still there. A lot of that 
has you know disappeared over the 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 decades um especially with the Moscone Center and Yerba Buena those redevelopment projects wiped out a lot of what was the heart of the city's um Filipino neighborhood and so there's concern that by building a 27 story project that's mo- mostly market rate that 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 might put pressure on um some of those uh low income families that that have stayed in the neighborhood. So a lot of community concerns here. Who were the main voices behind the opposition of this project? Well, the Todco, uh, which is an affordable housing owner, they they own um, uh, mostly senior housing in the south of Market, um, especially uh, around um, Yerba Buena Gardens and Moscone Center. And they... Um, have really become the main negotiator in a lot of development deals, uh, including the redevelopment of Fifth and Mission uh, around the Chronicle building. They uh, are led by John Elberling, uh, who's a veteran, sort of left-leaning political figure in the city. And he early on um, decided that this site was uh, was not a good one for market rate housing and that it should be 100% affordable. So he's really led the, the, the fight against this. Our appeal today is about the future of South Market, and especially about the future of our 6th Street community, which is our last low-income neighborhood left in Soma after almost 40 years of gentrification. And, you know, he's brought along with him um, some quite a few, you know, neighborhood neighborhood groups like United Players, SOMCAN, and, and some of the other social service providers in the neighborhood um, also were part of the appeal. And this opposition, you know, there was a lobbying against this development. How long has this battle been going on? I mean, it's been pretty under the radar, but four years is is really uh, when the the first the project application was filed about four years ago. And, um, and it hasn't really been one of those very high-profile development fights in San Francisco that um, that gets a lot of attention. It wasn't really until um, the Board of Supervisors meeting that that it um, uh, became so high profile. And that was largely because the Board of Supervisors up, upheld the appeal, which is pretty unusual. So when that appeal was upheld, Mayor Lennon Breed, you know, who supported the development, she blasted that decision, saying the opposition was based on vague concerns. We know that political infighting is very common in San Francisco. So are there other political factors at play in this decision? Yeah, many. <laughs> so there's, um, the, you know, obviously, um, in, you know, Mayor Breed is 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 very pro-housing. Um, uh, and, and she also has a responsibility um, under um, state mandates to produce housing. The, the new um, uh, RENA numbers, they're called, um, under the new, the proposed RENA numbers, San Francisco is going to have to build 80 th- or approve 83,000 housing units between 2022 and 2030. So the question for, for, for Mayor Breed and other pro is, is if not at sixth and market or sixth and mission, where? I mean, those units have to go somewhere and there's resistance in, on the west side of town. There's resistance sort of in, in, in almost every neighborhood in San Francisco. So that, that's one aspect of the, the politics. Um, 
You know, then you have uh, a board member, uh, Matt Haney, who represents District 6, who's running for state assembly. Um, I believe six of his uh, of, of his colleagues uh, and six of the eight people that voted to uphold the appeal have endorsed his opponent in that race, David Campos. Meanwhile, Matt Haney, who was always sort of a, a um, uh, a solid member of the of the left faction of the Board of Supervisors, the progressive faction, has really drifted into the center and become very pro-housing. Um, and so uh, he's alienated some of his, his friends on the board. Um, and so there's a lot of speculation that um, perhaps in voting to uphold the appeal, that, that, some, that some of those kind of personality politics might have come into play. You're listening to Fifth and Mission. You can support this show and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. As you know in your reporting, you know, tech companies have been leaving the mid-market and tenderloin areas, especially during the pandemic. So what kind of protections are in place for affordable housing when it comes to like a new large housing development like this? I mean, yeah, that's that's an interesting dynamic because yes, the 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 affordable housing that exists in in District Six and on Sixth Street, on Mission Street is protected. Um you can't you can't tear down a residential hotel unless you replace every one of those units with a, you know a modern studio with a bathroom and a kitchen which would wouldn't make any sense uh financially for any developer it would cost a fortune and 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 so th- those and many of those um residential hotels are in fact leased by the city and run by by nonprofits so you yeah i mean you have re- the residential hotels are protected um you have buildings like the mint on mission street which is home to many um, senior Filipinos, and that's protected by rent control. So the idea that adding 400 or so market rate projects, the idea that that would you know cause the displacement of people living in residential hotels or in affordable housing run by nonprofits is is just not true. I mean, on the other hand, there are um, there are cultural forces you know at play. It could be that. That you know that that in a decade or two decades, when maybe the, all the tech companies come back to that neighborhood and restaurants open, and it, it may no longer feel like home for um, people that have that have lived there for decades, right? So that's that's um, a, sort of an indirect kind of displacement concern, I guess. But you know, in terms of the the way that the neighborhood has been trending. I mean, there are some market rate developments happening. Fifth and Mission, nine fifty Market Street, uh, ten twenty eight Market Street. Um, most of those were financed um, in, or they're planned and financed back when Twitter had just moved in to the to the mid market neighborhood, and there was all this tech money flowing in, and it seemed like a good place to be if you were a restaurant owner. Um, and, but that just, most of those restaurants that opened between say 2012 and 2019 have closed. All of these businesses that had opened up hoping to take advantage of this new wealth or that was coming into the neighborhood gave up. Mm -hmm. So 
environmental concerns are at play here. Now they're going to have to do another study on it, which may take a year or two or so. So what's next for the developer of this project? Are there any legal recourses left? I understand now the state is investigating the city's decision. It's such a hot button topic. The state is looking at whether um, the the vote violated the Housing Accountability Act, um, which basically says that that you know if a pro- if a housing project is consistent with the zoning, which this one is, um, and, and doesn't present any you know safety issues, that you have to approve it. And so, if the state decides that 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 was true in this case, they could um, you know they would write sort of a warning letter. Uh, to the city, and the city would be faced with with either um, uh, reversing course or uh, or dealing with a lawsuit. So while the developer figures out its next move, the community groups that fought to kill the development will try to convince the mayor's office of housing to buy the site um, and develop it as uh, low income affordable housing. That might be a tough sell, though. Um, the city already is sitting on a bunch of affordable housing sites like 1515 South Van Ness and 1939 Market Street that are stalled um, because there's not enough money to build them. In addition, there's a consensus that the city in San Francisco needs to spread out its subsidized housing across the city, especially on the west side of town, rather than continue to build most of it in the South of Market, Civic Center, Tenderloin area. So this seems like such a collision of San Francisco politics intersecting with housing issues. You know, you report on so many housing stories for the city all the time. Has this whole situation surprised you in any way, or is this sort of par for the course of just how this city runs? Um, it was a little surprising, I think. Typically, these EIR appeals go to the board and the board uh, rejects them because it's a fairly narrow um, group of of environmental issues that, that apply under CEQA. And for the most part, the engineers and the, the, the consultants who write these EIRs know what they're doing and they stick to the law. And so there's not much, the board of supervisors might not like the project, but they, they typically have to um, to reject the appeals because, uh, you know, under CEQA law, the appeals just don't have merit. So, yeah, it, this was a bit of a surprise, but there was another project recently, uh, 450 O'Farrell, that where they all, the Board of Supervisors also upheld an appeal. That one was a little different um, because there had previously been a, a project approved for, for that site, which the community supported. And then the the owner of the property brought in a new developer uh, who sort of threw out the, the what had been approved and and filed an application to do this kind of group housing project. And so um, that project was a little bit of an outlier, but now it does it's true that the, the Board of Supervisors has upheld two appeals in the last month that total about 800 housing units. So it seems like this particular Stevenson Street project is really sort of a result of sort of the unique dynamics of this particular board of supervisors. Is that fair to say? I would say so. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And, and and to be fair, you know, it doesn't have as much affordable housing as as maybe it could. Um, you know, but you also have the realities of, of economics. It's very hard right now to get financing to build anything 
that's market rate. And I mean, today there's no way this project could be built. Nobody, no bank in in the world would would finance a 27 story building at at 469 Stevenson Street. It just wouldn't make money. And the block, frankly, is really struggling right now. I mean, if you go down there. It's it's a mid-block site, it's a parking lot, and it's just completely surrounded by encampments and so it's 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 a tough it's a tough site. It's a tough site and it's a complex uh, issue. JK, thank you for your reporting and for sharing it with me today. Thanks for having me on. JK Deneen reports on real estate development for the Chronicle. You can find his reporting on the Stevenson Street project at sfchronicle.com or on the Chronicle app. Thanks to King Kaufman for producing this episode. Thanks to you for listening.